Hello and welcome back to Chainsaw Matinee. Everybody take your seats, we have such sights to show you. I'm Kai. I'm Marthy. <laughs> and I'm Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my really bad Dracula impression. I hope you enjoyed it. I've heard worse. I've heard much worse. Really? <laughs> yeah, no. Adam I Sandler would be proud. you know what he i'm gonna say it adam sandler's dracula isn't that bad i really like it no it's not it's a solid dracula i'd say it's one of his top 10 roles honestly yeah yeah i like that one i like little nicky and controversial opinion i also like hubie halloween and those are (laughs) the three movies that he's done that I really liked. I liked Uncut Gems. That's like a horror I movie in and of itself. Gems. I have not seen Uncut Gems, so I have no opinion on that one yet. You should see it. I think I would be very curious to hear what you think. I think you'd like it. Yeah, I only know about the this is how I win uh, memes. This is how I win. <laughs> Yay. And the uh, Jim and Crusted Furby. Those are the only two things I know yes. about the movie. Speaking of actors who've shaped a generation, um, Bella Lugosi's in this movie. Yeah, yeah, this was like one of his first big roles. Um, love Bella Lugosi. Everyone who ever met him said that he had extreme sexual energy, and I have to agree with that. Definitely you know, in this got movie, the eyes. Yeah. He's got them eyes Absolutely. and the eyebrows. Oh yeah. Damn. Okay. I gotta agree with them. <laughs> this mysterious je ne sais quoi. Um spooky quality. Yeah. Yeah. So today we are talking about Dracula, which is the first of the universal monster movies. Um, and it's also, it's considered, like, the first sound horror film to come out, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam- yeah, a little ironic, too, considering this movie's use of silence oh, as yeah. a choice yeah. is very effective. Yeah, we commented on that, because it doesn't really have much of a score, which I really liked. I thought that was, like, really cool. Um mm-hmm. Because I think it just makes it so much more eerie, and it, like, lets you pay attention to the performances a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I thought that yeah. was really interesting. Um, but for those who are interested in watching this with a score, I actually found out that Philip Glass recorded a score for this film in, like, the 90s. So there are, like, you know, people have made scores for this film, if that's something that you're interested in. Well, it's interesting because I I know, did you guys watch the behind the scenes feature for this as well? Yes. Yes. Then you probably saw the fact that they released two versions because not all theaters were equipped with um, the sound uh, syncing quality um, that was being developed at the time. So they 
they kind of shot this movie in one of two ways. One was like with sound and one was without so that theaters that didn't have the proper equipment could still show it. And I honestly think that is brilliant that this film works on both of those levels of with sound and without. And they're both very creepy in different ways because in the behind the scenes they show like one scene – uh, I think it's where Jonathan meets Dracula in t- the two different ways. And it's effective in such different ways, like the pauses when he speaks versus when the they pause for the cue cards. It's it's brilliant. It really made me think a lot about sound in horror, this one, more than the rest. Because, you know, in yeah. Creature from the Black Lagoon, every time the creature shows up, you always hear the... Bah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's, it's so funny because, like, this movie came out 1931 and The Creature from the Black Lagoon came out in 1954. So you have about 20 years, a little over 20 years of, like, technology being developed between that time. And, like, just how much filmmaking had changed between those two movies is just, like, crazy. Yeah. Like, 20 Mm -hmm. years is not a long time, but it's also a really long time at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's so interesting. It really is. Well, and considering now there there is such a wealth of film available and out there for people to use and technology to make films is much more available, back then they had Mm -hmm. practically nothing. They They were building it from the ground up. Like Kyla said, this is the first horror movie with sound and one of the first horror movies period like at the time there were only about a handful Mm -hmm. like there was some german expressionism that had just kind of become popular around this Mm -hmm. time and um there are also a few silent films yeah yeah Mm -hmm. which speaking of nosferatu so because they talked about that on the behind the scenes feature it also that was an adaptation of dracula except it was like they didn't get the rights to that story, and so Bram Stoker's widow sued the filmmakers, and they had to, they lost the lawsuit and had to destroy every copy of Nosferatu, but thankfully, some still made it out into the world somehow, and so thankfully, Nosferatu still survives to this day, which is incredible, because, like, it's very rare most of the films from that time period are lost now because mm-hmm. like they just used to record over what was filmed or like lose those films in a fire or whatever yeah on one hand mm-hmm. i understand why copyright laws exist but on the other hand it leads to like just so much art being totally destroyed for no reason yeah i mean it sucks cuz like the like especially copyright laws and film was actually pioneered by Georges Méliès's brother because Thomas Edison stole his movies and was like mm-hmm. showing them illegally in the United States without paying for them and so like that's why you know that's kind of what kicked off like copyright and movies being such a big deal and mm-hmm. like that is a good purpose for it like you know, this guy's family, like, being like, hey, like, we deserve to get some money for you showing that. But then, like, there's other people who just take it in a really wrong direction. Like, <laughs> Disney. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I just. Well, like, I know, um, what is it? Reminds me of how protective Anne Rand is or was of um, the interview with the oh, vampires. Anne Rice. It's, it's, <laughs> Anne Rice. Rice Jesus said, Christ. He said Ayn Rand. <laughs> I mean, I did say that would be very. I. Ayn Rand would probably be like that too. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, honestly, probably. Yeah. Ugh. I don't want to think about what Ayn Rand's like. I don't want to know. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. Um, Anne Rice is very protective of her interview with the Vampire Properties, and um, it's it's interesting to me that you know Bram Stoker's family was a similar way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, like- especially back then, like. I will kind of defend his widow because, like, you know, he's dead. I'm assuming he was the primary breadwinner and so she needs to make a living. And, like, the fact that someone else is profiting off of, like, art that her husband created. Like, I understand where she's coming from. Mm -hmm. Of course, I don't agree with, like, the decision to try to destroy the film completely. Yeah. I Um, would have at least, like, just been like, hey, a portion of the money that you make from this movie has to go to her in some way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um. So getting into Dracula, Dracula, because of course, like Universal just snapped up the rights to do Dracula after all of that happened. Smart. Although, mm-hmm. f- funny enough, like there were still a lot of other versions of it. So the Spanish language version of Dracula was filmed on the same I need to see that soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it's supposed to be really good. I've seen the Spanish version. I think I watched it in high school during um, like our movie club or something. Um, Just like as a hey, there's a second version of this. Did you know that? And like we just like sat down and watched it. Um, And it's I mean, it's exactly the same, only they just translated the entire script into Spanish and hired different actors. Um, but at the same time, there's like a lot of like the energy of it is so different. Yeah. And it's just because, you know, the language and like the cultures of the people that are in it are different. Yeah, it's really interesting how much it can change a movie just by having like a different set of actors. Mm hmm. Well, and they also had the advantage of seeing them film everything first, and then they would come in and do the same. So you can kind of learn from the mistakes of other people um, and take notes and not necessarily mistakes, but you can make like informed choices after seeing it done rather than just having to be the first one to try it. Yeah. Like there's one scene I know where um, Van Helsing shows Dracula a mirror and in the the English version, he just kind of smacks it away. But in the Spanish version, the clip they show, he shatters it with his stick and it, glass flies everywhere. And it's so dramatic. I, I really want to see the Spanish yeah. version sometime. I really appreciate this one for how, like, methodical and paced it is. Like, it's it's, it's so, like, the scene where he, like, eats the flower girl... Like, I agree with Kyla. I'm so glad there's no music because it's just so inevitable. It's so slow and so mm-hmm. terrifying. And then it cuts away after the scream, which is entirely, I don't even I want to say too long, but it's too long to be natural. And you're like, what? What is this yeah. feeling? This unending dread. I love it. Yeah. It's, I mean, the the movie is like, 
so iconic and i think part of it is because of the sound and the lack of sound and the way that it emphasizes different things yeah um i mean also it's it's also like kind of shot like a stage play um and i think that also lends itself to the the iconic nature of it yeah, so it was kind of, like, partially based on a stage play adaptation of Dracula, but it is, like, also partly based on the book, and I would say it's more loyal to the book than the Frankenstein movie is. Yeah, the one mm-hmm. thing I will say about Dracula um, is uh, the one thing that they left out of this movie is the cowboy, and I will never forget <laughs> for that i miss that cowboy so badly i love him (laughs) i know uh and and one thing they um they change in this version is instead of um jonathan going out to meet dracula it's renfield Mm -hmm. whereas i believe in the book it's jonathan harker who goes out to meet him and uh, sends letters to mina um but in this one they kind of uh swap him out with Renfield, who I believe at the beginning of the book has already been driven mad by Dracula, and I believe has more of a heroic kind of tragedy about him, where he actually wants to help the people. In the stage play, this is true as well. He he wants mm-hmm. to stop Dracula partially. He's kind of got this inner battle going on where I want to live yeah. forever and get what he promised me, but also innocent people are getting hurt, and I feel really bad about it. He has a little bit of that in this film. Yeah, a little bit. I I will say I really enjoy Dwight Fry's Renfield. Um, he's just he's like, my honestly crazy. Yes. <laughs> um, I I love. He him. has my like, favorite I, shot in this film where um they open the, up the bowels just, of like, the ship and he's like, like madman. Yes. Yeah, I love that. He's mm-hmm. like so. He does insane very well and. Uh, it's so great. Yeah. Like, just watching him go from, like, this very, like, dressed up kind of, like, you know, gentleman. And, like, it doesn't take long for him to be around Dracula for that to just, like, totally drop. And then when they take him to that um, that house where they're keeping him and he's, like, he he's, like, looking for flies to eat. And they, <laughs> he's, like, oh, Martin. You got rid of my flies. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, you know what? I don't need flies. I have spiders. Fat, juicy spiders. And then he's like working his way up to like eating rats and stuff. And just like totally losing his mind. He's like, you need to get me out of here. I'm going to hurt Mina. Uh, Something bad's going to happen to her. And like, like he's like, he like does want to help them. But at the same time, he's like so engrossed in his own hunger and need for whatever dracula is giving him um the d probably no (laughs) oh well i mean there is there is a scene when um the brides come for uh renfield there i believe there was a cut Mm -hmm. line of dialogue where um dracula says essentially get away from him he's mine and then goes into Mm -hmm. kind of deliver that first maddening bite which is a very sensual um yeah. image that has kind of become synonymous with sex uh throughout the yeah. ages yeah. 
penetration at the yep. very least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say, like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Um, I was, I started thinking about that scene from what we do in the shadows, where Nandor is talking about all of his wives. Um, he had like what, like a hundred wives or something. Yeah, and he's like talking about his wives, and he's like, "Yes, I had my girl wives and my boy wives." <laughs> yep. Guillermo's <laughs> like, "You could do that." <laughs> uh, Van like, Helsing yeah. is mansplain. Dracula is manipulate, and Renfield is male wife. <laughs> okay, that's too perfect. Um, so shall we break down the plot of Dracula? Yeah, we'll break it down a little bit. Kick it, Barack. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> um, that was a homestead. I was working in the lab. One who wants to kill me. Um, <laughs> so Renfield goes to Transylvania for like some business thing that I think was originally like Jonathan Harker's deal because he's like a lawyer right um, yeah i believe dracula is buying properties in england i yes, think in the book he's so, trying to sell his castle or something like that something to do with property yeah why would you sell your castle it's so perfect hey he's to lauren delicious young businessmen <laughs> those those um gold coins don't don't hold as much weight you know, nowadays because of inflation, yada yada. Yeah, okay. Um, Dracula's going back to what we do in the shadows. His three wives, his three wives need to find a better place to live that's affordable. <laughs> Remember when they did uh, the house flipping with the property brothers? On yes, in the shadows. That was like one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, Nick Kroll is like insanely good at that character. <laughs> This episode's gonna have a Ray's lot of what like we do in the shadows references as well. Yeah. Let's be real, it's going to. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not gonna be ashamed of it. No, New well, it's York just City. further testament to Dracula's long lasting influence. It's true. Yes. We wouldn't be here with what we do in the shadows if we didn't have Dracula. It's true. Mm -hmm. So, yes, um, Dracula has bought property. Redfield's there, and he, like, is like, okay, you're kind of weird. There's, like, armadillos and shit everywhere. Yeah, the castle is so <laughs> funny, because there's just, like, armadillos crawling through it, which, like, there's okay, a this bee is supposed that to be, has its own coffin. This is supposed to be in Eastern Europe. Like, I'm pretty sure there's not armadillos there, but apparently the set designers just thought they looked creepy. It's like, whatever. Which is really <laughs> funny to me. Um, the vibes. And then there's, like, so anytime a bat shows up in this movie, they just, like, have a fake bat on a wire. Yeah, and they're just, like, bouncing it up and down on the wire. Honestly, kind of charming. It's so funny. Mm -hmm. They get armadillos, but not bats. <laughs> yeah. So I bet they were too anyway, fast, like, honestly. Honestly, probably, yeah, you probably yeah. couldn't catch them on film back in the day. Like, bats are very hard to control. Mm hmm So I do understand why they wouldn't use a real bat. Yeah. It's probably really hard to get them to sit in front of a window and just, like, bat their wings, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Probably not something that they're capable of. <laughs> 
I doubt um, it. Anyways, Redfield like cuts his finger on a paper clip and like Dracula starts like wilding out because he's like, oh, blood. I'm gonna eat ya. And he's like, I never no, drink I'm contr- wine. Wine. <laughs> see, wine. See, I think I think he's more of like a tequila fan. Maybe he's like, I feel like this man would really like a dry martini, you know? I he, he's not listen, I know he'd like to kill a man. <laughs> Good one. Um, so he um the we talked about the scene where the three wives try to make a move on him and Dracula's like, no, he's mine. Yep. And so Renfield uh helps Dracula to get on a boat, the Demeter. I don't know if they mention it as the Demeter in this, but it's the Demeter in the book, at least. Um, um, and they go to London, and when they arrive, like, the, um, all the people on the boat are dead, except for Renfield and Dracula, because basically they've just been eating them all and training their blood. Yep, which mm-hmm. is kind of a horror film in and of itself. Right? I want to see that. They're actually making that. It's called The Voyage of the Demeter and David Desmulchin's in it. That comes out pretty soon. That's really good because they also had an episode of (laughs) 2020 Dracula by fucking Stephen Moffat that is devoted to the Demeter um voyage and he does not do very well Well, he does well for about like you know the first half of the episode and then the second half he biffs it big time but you know i'm glad someone else is taking the reins yeah listen i really do actually the the 2020 dracula show is something that is awful and horrible and i want everyone to watch it because i want everyone to feel my pain anyway moving on (laughs) (laughs) honestly that's a good enough reason to watch anything yeah (laughs) <laughs> so Renfield gets thrown into a mental hospital. Yeah, everyone's can... like, "You look fucking insane." Yeah, bro. <laughs> and I think it, I mean to be fair, he is talking about eating flies and stuff. Yeah. So I was gonna say like, there is they... one bit with the groundskeeper where he's like, "Why are you treating me so?" He's like, "You won't stop eating bugs, mate." And he's like, "Yeah, that's true." Yeah. <laughs> well, like <laughs> yeah. Well, like the groundskeeper or whatever. His name is Martin, which I thought was really funny because I was like, "Why are they saying my name in this movie?" <laughs> And, <laughs> and like Renfield gets so sad when Martin like starts like swatting flies and like throwing them out the window or whatever. He's like, Oh Martin, my flies <laughs> <laughs> It's it's kind of like cute in a weird way, just like how sad he gets. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So while this is all happening, meanwhile, Dracula, like, goes around and is meeting all these people. Mm-hmm. So, He's just, like, living it up. Going yeah. To, so, like... um... When he goes to the theater, I was so fucking lit when I saw an usher get hypnotized and take him to his seat, because that's what I do for a living. And I'm like, oh my god! Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what happened with you and, um, fucking... Oh, George Takei. Wallace Shawn. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah Wallace yeah, Shawn hypnotized me and I helped him eat people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Spooky. Oh, so, my. <laughs> so, uh, Hannah, run us 
<laughs> run us through the new characters we meet. Oh, okay. So there is Jonathan Harker and Mina. Mina is the daughter of the sanatorium's owner, Dr. Seward, I believe. Um, am I right in that? Mina's his daughter. I think so. I think so. I don't remember. Yes, and then there think, is yes. their professor. F- yes, I believe it's Mina Seward. Yeah. Um, she is betrothed to Jonathan, but they are not married yet. They have her friend Lucy with them at the opera, and that is where they meet Count Dracula. Later on, um, Lucy leaves her window open after describing her infatuation with the the foreign, tall, dark, and handsome stranger. And then she, I believe, d- dies? Yeah, he eats her and turns her into a vampire. Yeah. Eats her up. And then they go to consult their doctor friend, who is very familiar with the occult, uh, Van Helsing. And um, it kind of Van is Helsing. those people. Yeah. Wait, what's his first name? Abraham, which I only know this is because Bram Stoker named him after himself. <laughs> Fair enough. You know what? I would self-insert, baby. <laughs> right. Um, Honestly, I mean, Emily Dickinson did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I believe this is our core group of characters until the end of the film. There is also a maid um, who is there. I like her. Yes, I like the maid too. She's like, no nonsense. I'm going to do what I was told to do because I actually listen. <laughs> yep. I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, they invite Dracula over to like their house or whatever. And Dracula, like... Van Helsing, like, holds a mirror up to him at one point, and he just kind of, like, smacks the mirror out of his hand and, like, freaks out, and everyone's like, the fuck was that? <laughs> and he's like, um, <laughs> I don't like mirrors. And then he just, like, fucks out of there. I mean, same. <laughs> <laughs> she just, he like, has, has the greatest like overreaction. I love how his eyes, like, narrow at him, like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, that it, it's so funny. Um, yes. So he does end up uh, biting Mina. Also, he does bite Mina at one point. Yes, he, like gets into a room, and she's like fixing to become a vampire. Like at like the next night, I think they're pretty sure. Um, she like has this whole breakdown of like. You know, she's like, "I, please stay away from me. I'm just going to hurt you. And it's really sad. Um, that mm-hmm. actress does a really good job um, with Mina and her character. It's yeah. fascinating because in the play, this breakdown is much more coded with um, Mina's sexual independence, whereas she becomes more vampire-ish. She also becomes much more, like, forward with Jonathan, saying, like, oh, let's not wait till our wedding night. Let's just kiss now. Let's let's be together right now. And he's like, Mina, you're scaring me. And then she tries to bite him. And then she's like, oh, I must restrain myself. I, I cannot be this monster. And I believe that is also where the coding of um, sexual deviancy and vampirism kind of comes into play 
Yep. Um, in the book, like her reasoning, cause they like tell her straightforward, like, Hey, Dracula's a vampire and he bit you and you're going to turn into a vampire. And like that breakdown, like her little breakdown in that book is like, you need to take pity on Dracula because if no one takes pity on him, how are you going to take pity on me when I become like him? And it's like, mm-hmm. like upsetting in the way that it's worded and Ugh, it gets me every time. Um, mm-hmm. it's I really not, like it's Nina. Not as, yeah, I love her. It's not a str- like strong language in in the movie, but like her acting and like just like her desperateness to like not want to hurt anyone is very palpable. <laughs> um, and it like does a total one eighty like as soon as night hits, and like she turns into a vampire. And she's, like, trying to lure Jonathan out into the night and, like, she's like, look at how beautiful the night is. And he's like, oh, yeah, look at all the stars. You want me to grab you a handful of stars? And she's, like, staring at his neck and won't blink. And he's like, wait, you told me you hated the night and that you were afraid of the night. And she's like, I would never say something so silly. And... You know, she's like turning into a vampire and then they um, are like, well, we need to dispose of Dracula now (laughs) or else you're never going to get our back. And so they do that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I don't remember exactly how we get from point A to point B. Like, I think Mina somehow goes off with Dracula, then Renfield follows, then Dracula kills Renfield for not like doing what he said. Then yep. uh, Van Helsing and Jonathan track him down. Um, Jonathan kind of corners Mina while Van Helsing kills Dracula. And then um, yeah. they all live well, they, they, happily they're ever like, after. To find, they're trying to find the coffins because, you know, that's their resting place. And Mina's not in hers. Um... I don't remember if Dracula's in his or not. I kind of... He is. ...was not paying attention. I was carving a pumpkin. He was in it, yes. He is Um, definitely in it. Yep. And so they kill him, and Mina's fine. (laughs) The end. (laughs) (laughs) Again, once again, Universal Movie Monsters, once they're dead, they know when to get the fuck out. Like, you came to see Dracula, you saw Dracula. Good night, everybody. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yes. There's no like epilogue or anything. They're just kind of like, well, he's dead. You can go home now. <laughs> Which is like how a lot of these movies end. Yeah. But I do find it pretty charming. Oh, yeah. So, um, as we talked about at the start of the podcast, but I think it was, it's worth mentioning again, like people were obsessed with Bella Lugosi yeah. as the sex icon. And I think that's very fun because, like, it just makes me think of, like, oh, yeah, that's how vampires have always been. Yep. Like, people gave Twilight so much shit for being, like, oh, it's all these teen girls, like, fawning over a vampire because he's a pretty boy. I'm like, okay, but literally, like, the two women in this movie are just going on about how sexy Dracula is. Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of always how vampires have been. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I love- kind of want to give Twilight shit for not being sexy enough. Right? It's too conservative. <laughs> Edward fluorescence colon. There needs to be more blood. Um, and there also needs to be a lot more sexual deviancy in the Twilight films. Um, well, Bella's trying her damnedest, guys. She's, like, trying to get it on real hard. (laughs) I know she is. But these damn vampires Uh, and their fucking Mormonism. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, what... uh, I was trying to think. I had a, a thought, and then it flew away like a rubber bat on a string. Apparently, on one of the productions, the bat fell off the string and flew into the audience. And God, I wish I could have been there for that. Oh, I remember yeah, what I was, was going to say. Uh, so there was this interview with Stephen King and Eli Roth where they were talking about Salem's Lot. And Stephen King was like, yeah, they're not like the vampires of today where women fawn over them and they're meant to be sexual objects. I'm like, fuck you, Stephen King. Women have made monsters as sexual objects for decades, centuries. Your entire livelihood is based off of if women think- finding Dracula sexy. Pay your respects to women, Stephen. If you don't think that there are some freaks out there who really want to fuck a Nosferatu, you are very wrong. I know a few. I follow them on Twitter. <laughs> You're talking to one right They're now. That's right. I'm right here. Hi. Yeah. I mean, hey, listen, if he's been around for like a thousand years, then he probably knows exactly how to please a woman, right? Yeah. Probably. Listen, too. those fingers belong. Yeah. Other them- people of other genders. Um, listen, what those fingers do. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Well, I would hope that he uh, cut the nails first with them fingers. Yeah, maybe a little manicure <laughs> couldn't hurt. Fair wow, enough. We got off topic. But yeah, no, there's so. I feel like we're very on topic. Let's be real. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just Bella Glagosi's air. Like, I love that he. He is menacing in a way, but that's that menace is also attractive. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know that. I just love the way that that sexuality was embraced rather than, yeah, I love that it was embraced rather than just flat out rejected by society. Mm -hmm. And I think this actually gave like a little bit of an open door for people to express those repressed desires, because if it's taboo in the first place, then it's a little easier to indulge, if that makes sense. He's making me fall in love with him. So it's like not really, it's not my fault, you know? It just kind of happened. Yeah, well, this was also um, pre-code, which does make mm-hmm. a difference. Yeah, pre-haze code. Yeah, because um, they could have a lot more of those sexual undertones. Mm-hmm. And of course, if Dracula is not your bag, that's okay. There are plenty, plenty of monsters out there for you, honey. <laughs> I mean, you got your wolf men, you got your mummies... You got your Well, there are a thousand versions of Dracula himself to choose from. Like, I honestly am a huge fan of Bram Stoker's Dracula. I really love how sexually empowered it is. Very like, open. that movie is just flat out, like, let's have sex and be vampires. It would be <laughs> awesome, guys. Like, in the text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's like, not to say, like... I mean, that's just, like, another version of Dracula, but you also have, like, the Lost Boys, you got your Mm -hmm. bad boy vampires, you got your, um, 
good Christian boys in Edward <laughs> and Twilight, I guess, it. if you're into that. Yeah. Um, uh, you got your Salem's Buffy Glass. the Vampire Slayer, Vampires, yes. The Hunger, um, You got your Bowie. Angels. You got your... Got your Hilda Spikes, Swinton. if you're uh, spikes. hot. You got your Viagos. And you got your... You got your Vladislavs. You got your Deacons. Yeah, you got all those guys. You and got your Laszlo's. You got, yeah, Laszlo's. Mm-hmm. There's a vampire for everybody. Yeah. Um, There's your Nadjas. Yeah. Of course, Nadjas, yes. Which, it was hilarious to me that in the documentary they mentioned that in the U.S., Va- like Dracula hadn't come yet, but they had like the concept of female vampires before, mm-hmm. like really delving into the the masculine Dracula vampire, and I I thought that was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very interesting. They, I think they were talking more about like the the vamp as in like the free spirited women of the twenties, but yes, that's like kind of the. They didn't really have, like, vampires traditionally in that sense, but, it, like, a, a slang term for people who don't follow your rules, man. You know? <laughs> well, and I loved that thing. they mentioned as well they had to, like, change the language around to make it more adaptable to New York audiences when they brought it to Broadway. And of course, living here, my first thought is, hey, who's this guy over here with the wings and shit? Hey, get some pizza. Ain't Calm no vampires down. gonna walk hey, in maybe here. You, you see all this so damn hungry. garlic I got on my doorstep. Oh, <laughs> uh, you don't That's drink wine. Hey, you think you're better than me? Uh, I love you guys. One bite of this fucking breadstick, <laughs> he's dead. He's done for. <laughs> Sleeping with the fishes. I swear to God, Christopher, Van- if this motherfucker steps foot in Joycey, he's dead. <laughs> it took Van Helsing a whole um, 90 minutes to defeat Dracula. It would have taken a motherfucker from the Bronx about 30 minutes um, to kill Anything him at an Olive Garden. can happen in the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. The, I mean, there is a movie called The Vampires vs. the Bronx. Yes, and it's very good. And it's, it's really true. good. It's very good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I loved that mm-hmm. one a lot. I need to watch it again at some But yeah, point. there is also, there are so many undertones of Dracula besides just the sexual. There's also this um, innate fear of wealth that I think is very present. Like most of Dracula's victims mm-hmm. Uh, before he really starts to hone in on turning Mina into a vampire and feeding off of Lucy, are service workers. Um, they're ushers, they're maids, they're um, the flower girl on the street. So I think that Dracula also gave voice to this undercurrent of, like, distrust with the wealthy and knowing that, like, they view certain people as disposable. And I think that's yeah. that's innately terrifying. Especially meaningful, given that this film came out in the Great Depression, also. Yep. Mm. Which is I even mean, more impressive also... that this did so well. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's also well, the think, like... undertones of xenophobia that go on with this. Um, and that That's true as well. Over either. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's a lot of interpretations, and some of them are... Uh, not as great and probably are what was meant of Bram Stoker when he wrote them. Um, but with the the way that, like, you know, 
the time period that this movie was made in plus like um you know other factors like mostly the zeitgeist of it you know you have the great depression and like right before that they had a pandemic um mm-hmm. and a war and, yeah and a war yeah so, jesus like, you know you have all of these factors like coming together for this movie and like what it has to say about the time period um and like what people are afraid of and a lot of it was the wealthy um people from other countries and um disease and like mm-hmm. those three things kind of make up dracula well, and I feel like Hannibal Lecter is very Dracula. Yeah. yeah. They, they definitely drew, like, I feel like Thomas Harris definitely drew from Dracula when he was writing Hannibal and the Red Dragon. Um, Just because that character is very, like, he is very Dracula. Like, <laughs> I, he eats mm-hmm. people. He's rich. Um, people think they can trust him and they can't um because he's very good at manipulating them um and there's something um (laughs) with vampires specifically like this is i feel like one of our more mainstream delves into cannibalism that we go into with horror and it just hit me watching this one because as vampires evolved they kind of grew into more of a monster than a man so to speak but in this one dracula doesn't really have fangs he doesn't have a vampire face it's just him and after he fed off the flower girl and he's just walking down the street it just hit me all of a sudden i'm like oh my god that guy ate another person yeah that's that's you you can't do that (laughs) like the cannibalism hit a lot harder i think it's also because you can't directly show what he does when he eats these people so a lot is left up to the imagination yeah, I mean, also that like that you're told he ate a whole boat full of people. I'm like, that's that's a mm. lot of people. Yeah, that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do have a yeah. question to ask you guys because uh, someone posed this on Twitter, and now I can't stop thinking about it. When vampires bite their victims, do you think they suck out the blood through their teeth like a straw, or do you think they no. bite the puncture mark and then suck it out like a hickey? I, I, I think it's the hickey, honestly. Yeah, I I've never so thought too. that vampires have straw teeth, and I I don't know where that came from. <laughs> well, it's because, like, they don't suck, it's... if you know what I mean. When they bite someone, they just kind of hang out there for suck. a while. So it's like, how is that they getting inside, though, if you don't just kind of suck it in? Yeah, yeah, I think it's because some movies, like, they're won't show any blood so it just leaves you to assume that it's like going through their teeth because you don't see them actually licking any blood Mm -hmm. dracula don't suck yeah i want to get sloppier bites (laughs) yeah Uh, i mean they get some sloppy bites in the fright night uh movies um the original one is pretty sloppy the one with colin farrell is very sloppy (laughs) Um, good he's got like blood all over his face and shit i still think he and david Tennant should have like made out on screen and <laughs> honestly with every vampire movie you can point out two people who should have made out for me in this one it's definitely honestly, dracula and renfield same as fright night with colin farrell and david Tennant. yeah i mean dracula and renfield 
definitely. I also feel like there was some sexual tension between him and Van Helsing. Um, There's one interesting moment, especially that had that had a lot of heat between them, where Dracula tries to hypnotize Van Helsing, and at first it starts to work on him. Crucifix. Yep, it, and then he's like, uh-uh-uh, no sir, and, you know, this movie, it wasn't the right time for that, but now we might have a Van Helsing vampire romance in What We Do in the Shadows. We'll have to wait and see, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. They try. They they tried it in the, the, the Dracula, the Stephen Moffat Dracula, and it was not good. <laughs> yeah, they sure did, and it sure wasn't. They also made it very heterosexual, and I will never forgive him for that. Yeah, because, like, the gimmick in that show is that Van Helsing is a woman and a nun, and I thought that was really cool. I'm like, oh, so they'll have this power struggle, um, but, like, it adds the other layer of she is also othered rather than, like, having a position of power in this world, so that'll make the dynamic very interesting. But no, they just did it so that they can make him a couple without having to be gay, because Stephen Moffat's a fucking coward. Yep. So, Hannah... For the mm. past several movies that we've watched, you've had like a really cool quote to read. So not to put you on the spot, but do you have one for Dracula? Okay, so from the movie specifically, uh, let me look up some Van Helsing quotes because I feel like he kind of sums up the vampire's motivations. Yeah. Let me just look sense. up Dracula. My, we can talk while you're but, looking. My favorite quote. Yes, please do from the movie is like when they introduce Dracula and he you know there's a wolf howling outside and he goes the children of the night what music they make oh yeah classic yeah I mean I was like smitten like a kitten the moment he said that but like who is it you know (laughs) all right so I do I did. Um, I also wanted to bring attention. This is mostly from the play, but also um, there are some from the movie I also want to share. So from the movie, um, there are a couple Van Helsing quotes that I think sum up the um, themes of Dracula, where Dr. Seward says, But Professor Van Helsing, modern medical science does not admit of such a creature. The vampire is pure myth superstition and van helsing says i may be able to bring you proof that the superstition of yesterday can become the scientific reality of today the strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him so kind of calling to the the deception of dracula and yeah you know people's preconceptions of what is myth and what is fact um yep yeah especially like the idea of at least in my head, that, like, oh, silly foreigners and their superstitions, but, like, any superstition has some form of weight to it. You know, it's gotta come from somewhere. Yes, and I... God, I can't find it anywhere. There's no PDF of it, but this was also mentioned in the documentary, and I did see... um my friend in this play as well, where at the end of the play Dracula, which kind of plays out very similar to the movie, after Dracula is dead, the actor playing... Van Helsing comes out to the stage and pretty much has like a a post monologue and epilogue. Okay. Oh, I found it. Yay. Okay. Just a moment, ladies and gentlemen, a word before you go. We hope the memories of Dracula and Renfield won't give you bad dreams. So just a word of reassurance. 
When you get home tonight, and the lights have been turned out, and you are afraid to look behind the curtains, and you dread to see a face appear at the window, why, just pull yourself together, and remember that after all, there are such things as vampires. Ooh. And yeah, you're right, this was a, a cut epilogue from the original movie. There are such things. I love that. Um, I think that is probably the most fitting way to end this episode. So, uh, yeah. yeah. There you have it, listeners. There are such things as vampires. <laughs> and they're hot! <laughs> well, thank you, as always, to our wonderful listeners. Um, I hope that you guys all enjoyed hearing us talk about the Universal Monster movies. There are, of course, still some that we didn't get to talk about, uh, so maybe we'll do this as a Patreon bonus. We shall see. Um, happy Halloween, because it's, ha- it's a Halloween week. It's our Halloween episode. We did this one for Halloweenies. Go out and eat some candy and have a lot of fun. Guys, I have safe. one last question and... about Dracula, though. Yes. Yes. Whatever happened to the Transylvania twist? What oh ever happened, happened to my Transylvania to the twist? Transylvania twist. Well, it's now the mash. It is oh. now the monster mash. Okay, that makes sense. Gotcha. Well, now Drac's a part of the band, and oh. my dance is the hit of the land. <laughs> I love you guys. Tell them Boris sent you. I love you too, Kai and Boris and Marty. You can keep up with us on Twitter at Chainsaw Matinee. We're also on Patreon as Chainsaw Matinee. If you enjoy what you've heard, feel free to toss us a few dollars. It helps us pay for hosting fees and keeping our equipment up to date. I hope that you all have a wonderful Halloween. Stay safe out there. And of course, may your nightmares be plentiful. (laughs) And remember, there are such things as vampires.